0: It's so good to see all of you. Uh, I'm really excited that today we are kicking off our series Speak Out. And uh, I mean, I I will admit that today, uh, starting off this series, we're gonna get into a little bit of controversial territory here. And I will admit, I am totally in over my head. So I appreciate your prayers. Uh, for this series. I appreciate your prayers so much. Uh, I do promise, though, that at no point in this message will I talk about the most controversial subject on earth. I promise, at no point in this message will I talk about Jada. I promise, I won't. Um, So no one has to slap me, I promise. Uh, But uh, (laughs) what what I am going to talk about is a subject that is becoming more and more relevant, I think, every day. A, A subject that affects people all over the world. And this this is what we're gonna be talking about. Um, There's a feeling in today's world, I don't know if you feel this, but there's a feeling in today's world that you can't speak your mind anymore without consequences. And um, by consequences, I don't mean getting in trouble for doing or saying something right. I I mean, I don't mean getting in trouble for doing or saying something wrong, I mean getting in trouble for doing or saying something right. That's what I'm talking about, and what's really interesting to me is that this is one of the few issues that a vast, vast majority of Americans agree on today. Uh, There was a poll that came out just a few weeks ago from the Siena College Research Institute, and this is what what the poll said. When they asked people, do you believe that we have freedom of speech in America, only 34% of people said yes, only 34%. But that's not the statistic that shocked me the most. When they asked, when they got deeper and they got deeper into the subject, the 89%, 89% of Americans said that they do not feel completely free to express their viewpoint on a daily basis without fear of retaliation, censorship, or punishment. I mean, that's a big deal. 89%. I mean, you, you normally can't get 89% of Americans to agree on anything. All right, let's be honest. I mean. I looked it up. You can't get 89% of Americans to agree that peanut butter is delicious, all right? You can't get 89% of Americans to agree that Nickelback is awful, all right? (laughs) I don't know if I should tell this next joke. Um, You can't get 89% of Americans to agree that it's a bad idea to make fun of Mike Tyson on an airplane. But (laughs) I'm gonna get emails about that one. Um, But you can get 89% of Americans to agree that they don't feel completely free to express their viewpoint. And think about what the survey said. They don't feel free to express their viewpoint without fear of retaliation, censorship, or punishment. Punishment? We need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. And maybe you say, Stephen, we can't talk about this in church Here's the thing, not only should we talk about it, this is the best place to talk about it because in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. (laughs) And guess what? The spirit of the Lord is here today. The spirit of the Lord is here today. So this is a place where we should be free to have an honest conversation about something that affects so many of us, not just here in America, but all over the world. And maybe you'd say, Stephen, I don't think the Bible has anything to say about this subject. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. There's a huge amount of ink in your Bible dedicated to this subject. Because think about this. The Bible makes it clear that the gospel is spread by us speaking, by us speaking out. Think about Romans ten fourteen for a second. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Acts 18, 9, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. And this is my favorite, Revelation 2, 11. And they, the saints, overcame him, the Antichrist, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their what, church? Testimony, Testimony. thank you very much. You guys are great. It's good to be here today. You guys are great. And so here's the thing. One of the reasons, and I think, I think I'm going to open this up a little bit. One of the reasons why Christians care so much about the topic of censorship and freedom of speech, I think people are fascinated with us all around the world. Why do they care so much about speaking freely? The reason for that is this, is that our faith is spread by speaking. And so when something stifles that... For us, it's not just a political issue or a social issue, it is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue for us. That's why we care. And that's why we're talking about it today. You know, Frederick Douglass talked about this problem. Frederick Douglass is one of the greatest Christian leaders our nation has ever had. And back in 1860, he gave a lecture called Plea for Freedom of Speech in Boston. And in that lecture, he said something that is just as true today as it was back in 1860. He said this, he said, to suppress free speech is a double wrong. It violates the rights of the hearer as well as those of the speaker. That's incredible. It is just as criminal to rob a man of his right to speak and hear as it would be to rob him of his money. And this is the most famous quote from his lecture. Liberty is meaningless where the right to utter one's thoughts and opinions has ceased to exist. I agree, I agree. It's just as true now as it ever was. And I think that in the last couple of years particularly, this problem of people being silenced for no reason is getting completely out of hand, isn't it? It's getting completely out of hand. I mean, (laughs) you can literally get kicked off of Twitter for saying something politically incorrect, but the Taliban can stay. The Taliban, Twitter's like, hey, you guys don't violate our policies. You You murder everyone you don't like, you sell women and children into slavery, but that doesn't violate our policies here at Twitter. Come on, I mean, that's the world we live in today. That's the world we live in today. And, and here's the thing. I've seen, I've seen a little bit of this stuff firsthand. Um, a few years ago, we were doing a series called Song for the Anxious Mind. And we were uh, doing an online promo for it. And if you remember that series, it was a series about uh, fighting anxiety and how God can step in and help us deal with the issue of anxiety. And so we uploaded a promo for that to social media across the board, and it got pulled down. It got taken down and of course we appealed it because we were just curious, why did it get pulled down? And when we appealed it and we asked the social media companies to explain, they said, well, it might make people anxious. <laughs> I still don't understand that one completely. <laughs> but here's the thing, I've heard stories of people losing much, much more than an online promo because of this challenge of feeling like they're not allowed to speak. and. I mean, I don't know about you, but after what I've seen and after what I've experienced, I feel the same way about censorship that Kanye feels about Pete Davidson. I don't like it very much. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, let me just say this. Does that mean we should be angry? No. Does that mean we should start getting into social media conflict with people we don't agree with? No, because guess what? The people who want us to shut up the most are the people that God wants us to love the most. I mean, have you thought about this? 2,000 years ago, there was a guy named Saul. And he spent all of his time trying to arrest Christians and put them in jail. But remember how Jesus loved Saul? And remember how one day Saul was on the road to Damascus, and he had a a bunch of arrest warrants for Christians, but Jesus arrested him, and Jesus appeared to Saul, and Jesus said, Saul, Saul, I am Jesus, the one you were persecuting. Don't you recognize me? Isn't it hard for you to resist me? Isn't it hard for you not to believe in me? Isn't it hard for you to run from me? Saul, I've got plans for you, man. I've got plans for you. And the Bible says something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and Jesus changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he became one of the greatest Christians the world has ever seen. He wrote 13 books out of the New Testament in your Bible, and God used him to change the world. Here's the thing. The people that that probably want us to stay quiet the most are people who are loved and cherished by God, loved and cherished by God. So this is not a series about us versus them. This is not a series about the culture wars. This is simply a series about us asking God for the boldness to speak out and letting him speak through us. That's what this series is about. That's what this series is about. But that leads us to the obvious question. I mean, what does that look like? I mean, what what does it mean to speak out? I want us to go to a chapter in the book of Acts. And, um, you know, it's a chapter that doesn't get talked about very often, but I think it's a hidden gem. And in this chapter, we learn what it means to speak out, we learn what it means to be bold, and we learn not to be afraid. And before I get to that story, though, I wanna give you a little bit of background on what happened. I wanna take you back to when Jesus was dying on the cross. When Jesus was dying on the cross, there were two groups of people that were more responsible for putting him there than anyone. One group was the Pharisees, and the other group was the Sadducees. And when when Jesus was hanging on the cross, both of these groups were mocking Jesus and feeling like they won. Uh, The the Pharisees would have sort of been the ultra-right of their day, and the Sadducees would have sort of been the ultra-left of their day, and they never agreed on anything. They never agreed on anything except the fact that they hated Jesus, they did agree on that. And the question is, why did they hate Jesus? Well, the reason why they hated Jesus is that both of these groups of people were very, very powerful people who had a strong grip on society, and Jesus was a threat to that. Because Jesus openly corrected them, and not only did he correct them, he did it in public. And Jesus confronted them, and he said, look, you guys are abusive leaders, you're putting crushing burdens on the people, you're not lifting a finger to help them, and you're not even following the rules yourself. Jesus was very blunt with these guys, and they didn't wanna listen. They didn't want to admit that there was anything wrong. And you know, the one thing God can't work with is when he tries to convict us of something, he tries to convict us of something inside, and we just, keep going on, pretending like there's not a problem. You know, I, uh, one of my favorite stories from history, you guys know I'm a history freak, I read history all day long. Uh, one of my favorite stories is about King Frederick II of Prussia, and he was visiting a prison one day, <laughs> and when he visited the prison, he got swarmed by inmates, hundreds of inmates who came running to him saying, uh, saying, please, please, let us go. It, it, I, we didn't do it, I didn't do it, I was framed, I'm innocent, get me out of here. But there was one guy sitting in the corner who wasn't doing that at all. And so the king was intrigued. I mean, so he walked over to this guy who was just sitting by himself in the corner. And the king got down on one knee and he said, "Uh, young man, uh, why are you here? I'm just curious. Why are are you here in jail? And he said, "Uh, armed robbery, sir. And the king king asked, he said, well, did you do it? Are you guilty? And he said, yes, sir. Absolutely. I did it. I deserve to be here. And the story goes, the king got up and he turned to one of the guards and he said, release this guilty man. I can't have him corrupting all these innocent people here. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. If, if, this is what's so cool is that Jesus loved hanging out with people who were guilty of all sorts of things. I mean, Jesus ate at the houses of corrupt tax collectors, prostitutes, underworld criminals, and many of these people became amazing believers. They became believers because they were willing to admit that they needed a savior, that they needed someone to step in and help them. But the, the, group of, the groups that Jesus couldn't help were the Pharisees and Sadducees because they were, too, they were too prideful. They were too cool for school. They didn't want Jesus to correct them about anything. And that was the problem. Well, let's go back to the cross. When Jesus breathed his last and he died, the Pharisees and Sadducees started doing a victory dance. But as you know, they stopped dancing three days later because Jesus walked out of the grave. And the Bible says the Pharisees basically found out about this only minutes later because right after the resurrection, the guards came running to the Pharisees saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, what do we do? We're in trouble. If you were Roman guards at the time and Jesus just busted right out of there, it was your neck that was on the line. So the guards came running to the Pharisees saying, what do we do? And in Matthew, it says the Pharisees paid them off to spread the story that the disciples stole the body when they weren't looking. But there was just one problem. Over the next few days and the next couple weeks, over 500 witnesses saw Jesus alive. And the Pharisees are fighting a losing battle because it's hard to convince people that Jesus is dead when Jesus is walking around Jerusalem saying hi to everybody. I mean, it's just hard to convince people that they're not seeing what they're seeing. And that's, that's where the Pharisees are at. And not long after that, Jesus ascended into heaven and he gave a command to all of his followers to speak out on, on his behalf, to speak out about him. And this is where we pick up our story because not long after that, Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, are visiting the temple and they're at the temple to preach. And when they get to the temple, Peter and John pass through an area that's called the beautiful gate. And this is in Acts chapter three. We're starting in Acts chapter three. And when they pass through the beautiful gate, there's a man who's been paralyzed since he was a baby. And he begs to everyone passing by just to get enough money to make it through another day. And so Peter and John pass him and the, 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 the man who's paralyzed, he said, please, could you give me anything? Can you give me anything? Please, sirs, give me something. And I love this so much. This is what Peter says. This is so good. He said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And it says, Peter, reach down, and he grabbed this man, and he picked him up, and not only did he get up and walk, he, get up, he got up and leaped for joy because he had never walked before in his entire life. And the people were astounded. The people came running to Peter saying, oh my goodness, what just happened? And then Peter started to preach because you can't stop a preacher from preaching. We're relentless. Um, But this is what Peter preached. And this is an amazing sermon. This is what he said. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? I love how he starts with that. Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. This, he, he really could preach, you know? Peter could preach. That sermon is still fire 2,000 years later. But this is what happened. This sermon that was so good, it got, Peter, it got Peter landed in the principal's office because the Pharisees and Sadducees found out what he was saying, and so they called him in. And Peter and John spent the night in jail, which I'm sure was not their plan, but they spent the night in jail. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, the very next morning, they're meeting with each other trying to figure out, how do we silence these guys? Like, how do we get them to stop talking? They're so pesky. It's like, we, I mean, we paid so much money to make this story go away, and now it's coming right back again. It's like, what, can we flag their tweets? Can we do something? What can we do? Censors <laughs> never change in 2,000 years. Um, but <laughs> Peter and John, finally, the Pharisees and Sadducees bring them in for questioning. It's not really questioning. It's more like accusing. But they bring them in for questioning. And I love this. The Pharisees ask them this. They said, by what power or what name did you do this? Well, now he's just inviting Peter to preach again because you can't stop a preacher from preaching. You ask them a question, you're going to get a sermon. Um, So this is what Peter said. Here he goes. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Here he goes. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. He just keeps going. And the Pharisees, their heads are exploding. They can't take it anymore. Their computer is on overload because these guys just keep blowing up what they want to do. And they, (laughs) it's really interesting what happens next. Because this is their response, this is their response. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You know, the greatest compliment someone can pay you is to say that you've been with Jesus. I've, I've been in hospital rooms before where I see people that are getting very, very close to the end, but they have this joy radiating from their heart. They have this joy radiating from, radiating from them, and I can see it in their eyes. I know why, where the joy comes from. They've been with Jesus. The greatest compliment that someone can pay you is to say that you've been with Jesus. I've got to get back to the text. Um, and this, this is why the Pharisees couldn't throw them in jail again. Since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. And this is where it gets good. This is where it gets good because the Pharisees and Sadducees have a closed-door discussion. They have a meeting amongst themselves when they think no one is listening. Of course, God is listening. They weren't thinking about that. Um, But they have a closed-door session. And what they say to each other, to me, is more relevant today than it ever has been. This is what the Pharisees and Sadducees say to each other when they think no one is listening. They say this, What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. Okay, okay, okay. The irony, the irony of this. They admit what they're saying is, hey, we got to admit Peter and John are right. I mean, the facts are on their side. The people are on their side. They're right, but we need to stop these dangerous propagandists from spreading their dangerous misinformation any further. What are we going to do about these guys? Their heads are exploding. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> the fair, you, know what the, you know what they're saying? They're saying, look, Peter and John are telling the truth. They're telling the truth, but the truth is dangerous, and we got to shut that down now. And so this is what they do. This is what they do. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. I have really simple points today. Um, And this is the first point of the message. Peter and John were told to stop speaking out. They were told, you got to stop. You got to stop. You got to stop speaking out. You can't do that anymore. You got to stop speaking out. You know, it's a hard thing when you get canceled for doing or saying the right thing. It's one thing when you get canceled for doing or saying the wrong thing. How do you deal with it when you get canceled for saying the right thing? You know, I've always had a fascination with South Africa. This country has got uh, quite a history, and in 2019, I read a book that had a huge impact on me. I read Nelson Mandela's autobiography, Long Walk to Freedom, which is an incredible book, incredible book, and you know, it's really interesting, his story, because he was fighting the oppression in South Africa, fighting the segregation. And because of that, he was thrown in jail for 27 years. He spent part of that time on Robben Island. And he, they, they treated him so terribly, they didn't even let him visit his son who died in a car accident in 1969. They didn't even let him visit his own son. Can you believe that? It was a terrible experience, but eventually he won, and he eventually became president of South Africa in the 1990s. And This is is what I thought was really interesting. After reading his biography, uh, I was still wanting to learn more about what happened in that country, because as you know, in South Africa, segregation basically continued into the 90s. Can you believe that? Into the 90s. And I just was curious, how did people push back? How did they fight back? I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And when I was studying, I came across a quote that I will remember for the rest of my life. There was a Christian principal at a school in South Africa who stood up to the apartheid government, and he said, I will not segregate my school because all these children are created equally by God. They deserve to to, to be with each other because they are created equal, and I want them together. And he stood against the government. The government tried to shut him down, but he said, I will not segregate my school because I believe that this is wrong. He stood up, he spoke out. And years later, they asked him, they said, what gave you the strength to do that? What gave you the courage to do that? And I thought, he, he said something that I will remember for the rest of my life, he said this, he said, someday I'm going to get to heaven and God will ask me, where are your scars? And if I say I have none, he will say, but wasn't there something worth fighting for? Wasn't there something worth fighting for? See, that's what I'm talking about today. I mean, as Christians today, are we so scared of getting scars that we forget that there's something worth fighting for? Are we so scared of tripping on a wire or stepping on an eggshell that we forget that we're here to speak out in Jesus' name? Are we so scared that we won't stand up? You know, there's an old saying that a ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what a ship is for. You know, a Christian is safe, not speaking out and just keeping to themselves, but that's not what a Christian is made for. We were made for more than that. We were made for more than that. So what did Peter and John do? What did they do? The Pharisees told them, you got to stop speaking out in Jesus' name. you got to stop teaching in Jesus' name. So what do they do? I love their response. This is so good. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. That is so good. They're saying, we can't stop. You know what I love about that phrase? They're saying, even if we tried to get ourselves to stop, we couldn't. Even if we tried to censor ourselves, it wouldn't work. Because we've seen Jesus do amazing things. We've heard Jesus do amazing things. You can try to shut us up. You can try to get us to stop talking. It's not going to work. We can't stop talking about what we have seen and heard. It won't work. It won't work. That's why dictatorships all over the world just can't, every time they punch against Christianity, Christianity just punches back harder and the church grows and it gets bigger and bigger because the more you try to get us to shut up, the more we used to keep talking. It's amazing, because that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Number two, and this is what I love. Here's the second point. Peter and John said, we can't stop speaking out. We can't stop speaking out. Here's the thing, do you feel that today? Do you feel that today? When you think about what Jesus has done for you, when you think about how he's changed your life and what he, has, what he has done to bring you through difficult times, what he has done to bless you, is there a part of you that says, I can't stop speaking about what I've seen and heard? Is there a part of you that feels that today? Because I, because I feel that. I love, you know, you know what, what Peter and John are saying is we can't stop being witnesses for Jesus. You know, if you read through the book of Acts, that word witness is everywhere. We can't stop being witnesses for Jesus. What, why is it important to be a witness for Jesus? I think that's an important question. Why is it important to be a witness for Jesus? I'm guessing we have some lawyers in the room. Uh, after some of the jokes I told earlier, I might need your help later. I don't know. Uh, but I'm guessing we have some lawyers in the room. Uh, I want to ask a question, especially if you're a trial lawyer. Uh, I, wanna, I just wanna pose a hypothetical question to you. What if you're in a trial where the witnesses for one side are able to speak out as much as they want? They're able to testify as much as they want in the trial, but the, all the witnesses for the other side are never allowed to speak. They're never allowed to talk. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that trial is gonna reach the right verdict? No, absolutely not. Why? Because nobody got to hear all the facts. Nobody got to hear all the facts, Let me tell you why being a witness for Jesus is important. For every person out there who hasn't yet made a decision whether to follow God or not, there is a trial going on in their heart. There is a trial going on in their heart. And as they live their life, they are going to come across people who will take the stand as witnesses for God and make a case for God and testify to them about God. And as they live their life, they will come across other people who will take the stand and be a witness for the devil and make the devil's case and tell and make his case. Let me ask you a question if the witnesses for the case for Satan, if they get a chance to speak all they want, but all the people who should have taken the stand to testify on God's behalf never speak, do you think the trial in their heart will reach the right verdict? No because they never got to hear all the facts. I don't want anybody to wake up on the wrong side of eternity because I was supposed to take the witness stand. I was supposed to testify on God's behalf, but I didn't do it. When it's my time to testify, I want to get up and do it. I want to get up and do it. The other day I read a story that is just beautiful to me. Um, there, was a, there was a young man who was uh, being accused of a crime he didn't commit, he was innocent. But there was only one lady who could testify that he was innocent and, and help, him get, help him be uh, released. And she was the only person who could do it. And uh, in this trial, this was, a, this was a long time ago, I think this was back in the, back in the 60s, but she, she was the only person who could help him out to testify. But when she walked into the courtroom, there was this really big dog right in front of the door. And she started to cry, tears started to come down her face and she started to shake. And she started having a panic attack and she ran out of the courtroom. Well, as you can imagine, the attorney for the defense came and found her and said, Miss, are you okay? Are you all right? I, I, I'm so sorry. And, and she said, no, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Mr. Stevenson. I have a terrible fear of dogs, especially big dogs. And I was attacked by one once. And, and I, just, I just don't know if I can testify. I'm so sorry. I was supposed to take this stand to testify on this young man's behalf, but I couldn't. And the defense attorney said, it's okay. It's okay. And she said, you know what, sir? Tonight, I'm going to pray about this. I'm gonna pray about this because I, I wanna take the stand. I wanna take the stand, so late that night, she fasted. She didn't eat or drink, and she got down on her knees. She was a Christian, and she prayed. She said, Lord, help me not to be scared of that dog. Lord, help me not to be scared of that dog. Lord, don't, le- don't let me be scared of that dog. Her husband heard her praying the same prayer over and over and over again that night, and she kept praying, saying, God, don't let me be scared of that dog. And the very next morning, she got another chance to walk into the courtroom to testify. And she had a big smile on her face. And she walked up to the attorney for the defense, Mr. Stevenson, and she said, she walked up to him and she said, Mr. Stevenson, I I got something I wanna tell you, I got something I wanna tell you. And he said, yes, ma'am, I'm all ears. What, What do you wanna tell me? And she said, I'm not scared of that dog anymore. And she walked into that courtroom that day and and she walked in like that dog didn't even exist. She walked right past that dog, she wasn't scared at all. And she got on the witness stand and she testified that the man was innocent and they let the man go free. They let the man go free because she prayed and she asked for boldness. Here's, I don't know how to preach this, I'm gonna try my best. Here's the thing, this is what I wanna say to this generation of Christians. When it's your turn to testify on Jesus' behalf, you know what Satan's going to do? He's going to put a big, hairy, scary dog in between you and the witness stand. And he's going to make that dog have teeth. He's going to make that dog scary. He's going to make that dog so intimidating that you want to run out of that courtroom. But you know what you can do when you're when that dog is in between you and the witness stand? You can get down on your hands and knees at night and say, God, help me not to be scared of that dog. Don't let me be scared of that dog. And you know what? You might wake up some morning and find that your bones are strong and that you can walk right past that scary dog and take the witness stand and testify for jesus christ because here's the thing we need a generation we need a generation of christians we we if we want to do anything that that accomplishes anything If we wanna do anything for Christ that makes a difference, we need a generation that gets up in the morning and says, I'm not scared of that dog. You can cancel me, you can censor me, you can try to shut me up, but Lord, I'm not scared of that dog. I'm gonna testify on behalf of Jesus Christ. Please let us be that generation, please. So what what does it mean to testify? What does it mean to testify? It means exactly what Peter and John said. You know what Peter and John said? He said, we can't stop being witnesses to what we've heard and seen. That's what it means to testify because when Peter came across, let's just talk about Peter for a second. When he came across someone who hadn't yet made a decision whether to trust God or not, Peter could give his testimony. Peter could say, you know what? I I saw Jesus, I, I, I saw Jesus do amazing things. Peter Peter could say, listen to me, I saw Jesus heal a paralyzed man. I saw Jesus take a young girl by the hand and say, little girl, get up, and raise her from the death to life. I saw Jesus open a blind man's eyes. I saw Jesus feed thousands of people with a sack lunch. I saw Jesus tell Lazarus to come out of the tomb, and I saw Jesus after he walked out of his own tomb. That's what it means to testify. And maybe you'd say, Stephen, I, I I don't know if I can testify the same way because I wasn't there when Jesus did all those things. But guess what? There are things that you've seen Jesus do that you can testify to. Because when you come across someone who hasn't yet made a decision, you know what you might be able to say? You might say, hey, I just wanna tell you, I saw Jesus put a marriage back together. I saw Jesus bring an addict back from the depths of his addiction. I saw Jesus reconcile a father and a son. I saw Jesus reconcile a mother and a daughter. I saw Jesus save my life. You can make that testimony, and your testimony is powerful, whether you realize it or not. And your testimony is needed. Oh, my goodness, your testimony is needed. The world needs you. The world needs your story, your testimony. Peter and John said, we can't stop. We can't stop being witnesses to what we have heard and seen. We can't stop. Well, this is the third point. Peter and John prayed for boldness. So... Eventually, they got kicked out of the principal's office again because the Pharisees said, we can't arrest you guys without a riot because the people are on your side. And you know what? Fine, just get out of here. (laughs) And so they sent Peter and John back home. And when Peter and John got home, you would think, this is what I would pray if I was them. This is what I would pray if I was them. I would pray, God, please help these Pharisee guys to get off our backs. I mean, can you please just help them leave us alone. Please get these Sadducees to leave us alone. They're so annoying. Please, God, please just get them to leave us alone. But you know what they prayed for? I love this so much. Peter and John, they prayed for this. They said, now, O Lord, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. And maybe you'd say, Stephen, I don't understand. Peter and John, they were like spiritual rock stars. They got down and prayed for boldness? Yes, because we need it every day. We need it every day. And maybe you'd say, Stephen, I, I kind of have a hard time speaking out because I just have a hard time finding the right words or knowing what to say. Hey, uh, I'm in the same boat. Uh, you know, Join the club. I mean, as I said before, I'm extremely terrified of public speaking, so I'm still a little nervous right now, uh, actually. Uh, but you know what you can do is you can pray for boldness. You know what? God will answer that prayer. God will answer that prayer. And this is, this is the last point of the message. I'm gonna end it with this point. God gave Peter and John the boldness they asked for. God gave Peter and John the boldness they asked for because this is, this is a verse that I love so much. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. If I have one prayer for this generation, it's that we would preach the word of God with boldness, that we would be bold. I, I, I think we should be kind, I think we should be gracious, because remember, Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. We need to speak with grace and truth. Truth with no grace is mean-spirited, and it never comes across. Grace with no truth is like poison, because you make people feel good, but you never tell them the truth. We need to speak full of grace and truth, but we need to speak with boldness and say, "I'm I'm not scared of that dog. I'm gonna keep testifying. I'm gonna keep testifying to what I have heard and seen. Would you all pray with me really quick? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful church. I thank you for every Christian in this room, for every person in this room, because I know we live in a a culture where it's hard to speak out. We live in a culture where it's hard to know, what do I say? But Father, I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that you would give us boldness. I pray that you would strengthen us so that we can speak in your name. And and I pray that we, we would be unstoppable by having courage through you. Thank you so much for that. With every head still bowed and every eye still closed, I wanna give you all an invitation because maybe you'd say, Stephen, what you're saying really makes a lot of sense to me, but I've never invited Jesus into my heart. I've never made that decision. Look, please, please do not leave today without making that decision because Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to change your life. He wants, he wants to give you He wants to give you salvation and forgiveness and all of of those things, and he loves you so much. Please do not leave here without making that decision. And I'm gonna pray a prayer with you. These aren't magic words, but you you can say it out loud with me or you can say it in your heart, either one. But let's pray. Let's get it settled today. Let's get it settled today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know I've done wrong things. I know I've sinned, but I believe you love me. I believe you sent your son to die for me, and I believe he arose from the grave. Please forgive me and come into my heart and change me from the inside out. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I've got a gift that I want to give you. There's a box uh, for your new walk with God and inside of it, there's a Bible and there's a book called My New Walk With God that answers a lot of questions. All you have to do is go to that info center out there or go to the one over in the student building. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services.